Radio Rounds, the podcast series from St. Louis Children's Hospital. Here's Melanie Cole. There's been a sudden rise in cases of a frightening polio-like condition that can leave children paralyzed or with weakened limbs. Here to tell us about it is Dr. Christina Gurnett. She's a Washington University pediatric neurologist and neurologist-in-chief at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Dr. Gurnett, explain a little bit about acute flaccid myelitis. What is it and why are we seeing it? Yeah, so acute flaccid myelitis, which I'll just call AFM for short, um, is a disorder that affects the spinal cord. Uh, It's something that's likely been around for a long time, but it really became much more apparent in 2014 when there was an uptick in the number of these cases. Um, Because it affects the spinal cord, um, it can cause mostly weakness of the arms or legs, but can also cause facial weakness, um, problems swallowing, problems with the eye movements, and in you know, worst cases, problems with breathing. Um, it has very sudden onset, so the child can be perfectly normal and within a day have these symptoms come on. Um, and overall, we find that this is something that is very, very rare, um, only one in about one million cases have been reported. Wow. Do we have any idea what's causing this outbreak and why are only children affected? That's a great question. Um, There's been a lot of interest in identifying the potential cause for this. In the past, before we had good vaccination for polio, um, we knew that cases that happened in the 30s and 40s were due to uh, polio virus. We do think that these Current cases are also likely due to a virus, but there's been a lot of controversy as to whether there's one one infection that's causing or or whether these are multiple different viruses. Um, There's still a lot of research ongoing. Um, We do know that enteroviruses, um, of which polio is one, um, have been the causes in the past. There are some new strains of enterovirus, including enterovirus D68, that have been spiking and causing some respiratory illnesses around the same time of these occurrences over the last several years, but not all cases have evidence for that infection. In fact, it's actually a very small number that do. We also know that other viruses, including West Nile virus and adenovirus, can cause similar um, AFM. Are there any confirmed cases in Missouri? You know, there. this is kind of changing on a daily basis. Um, we do report the case, our suspected cases. Um, from what I most currently know, we've reported two cases as probable, but I don't know that they've been confirmed. So you said a child could be fine one day and afflicted the next. How is it identified? Tell us about the clinical presentation and, and what should parents who are bringing their children to the pediatrician and what should pediatricians be looking for? Uh, this is a great question. So there's because there's been so much um, information in the press that families are very attuned to these symptoms, um, the arm and leg weakness that we see tend to, or facial weakness, tend to come on very quickly and tend to be very severe. These are kids that often can't move the limb or can barely move the limb, are having trouble feeding themselves, getting their hands to their mouths, um, uh, droopy eyelids, any kind of problems breathing or swallowing, Um, would definitely want further evaluation. So what are some of the complications and long-term effects of AFM? What what can it do to a child? Right. So the the kids that we've been seeing, again, have pretty severe problems with movement. Um, The 
kids, the cases that I've been involved with have almost all needed rehabilitation for many weeks to many months after um, these episodes. Um, the complications can can include death in severe cases where the respiratory problems have not been addressed. Fortunately, with um, good ICU and care um, and respiratory support, most of these kids will sur- will survive. And actually, very few really need the respiratory support. Um, for the most part, they come in with weakness that's pretty maximal when they come in. Um, as part of our diagnostic evaluation to make the diagnosis, certainly we would do a, a brain and spinal cord MRI scan and it would require us to see signal changes in the spinal cord, mostly in the, the gray matter or the uh, particularly the anterior horn cells where we would see signal abnormalities in the spine. The other part of the diagnosis would come from a spinal tap to rule out um, other types of bacterial infections. But if we see pleocytosis, including um, you know white blood cell counts above five or so, then we would also take that into um, a part of the diagnostic criteria for AFM. Speak about treatment and what, what are some current issues in medical management that you might try once you assess what's going on? Right. So, you know, we, we, when we see kids that have this type of abnormality and once we've excluded the possibility of uh, a severe bacterial infection or a bacterial infection that can be treated with antibiotics, um, often when we're thinking about inflammation of the spinal cord, we look to kind of our classic treatments, which are um, potentially steroids, IVIG, um, plasma exchange. Um, so there are acute treatments that we um, certainly try in these cases. Again, because they're so potentially heterogeneous in terms of their etiology or um, or of unknown etiology, we really don't have good treatment trials to know whether any of these treatments are effective. Um, but we know that related disorders can often um, respond to these treatments. So typically, we we do um, offer some treatment for these patients. Otherwise, the tr- you know the treatment really is supportive. Um, especially with respiratory support if there's if there's weakness in breathing, um, but also um, a lot of physical therapy and bracing to help um, prevent contractures or other complications from not moving over a long period of time. Can it be prevented, or is there a way to proactively look to see who might be at risk? We're still obviously trying to figure out um, who's most at risk. We certainly do know that children... With and we don't understand why it's predominantly affected children, but the average age has been four. Um, so we know that those are the high-risk age groups, but we really don't know other profiles that put us um, more at heightened alert. If you ask these cases, almost all of them will have had some uh, recent illness, but often those are mild colds um, and other viral you know, viral symptoms that they've had in the preceding week or weeks Um as far as prevention, we do hope that people will use common sense in terms of hand washing. We know that this illness is not actually transmissible, but the predisposing prior infection potentially could be prevented if um, with good hygiene, hand washing, although, again, these viruses often tend to be lots of places, um, but we definitely recommend good hygiene um, because some of these cases can be due to prevent, you know, Preventable illnesses, including polio, we do recommend that people maintain um, and be up to date on their vaccines. 
It's a very important point. So Dr. Gurnett, wrap it up for us. What would you like other providers to know about this mysterious rise in AFM and and when they should refer to the specialists at St. Louis Children's Hospital? Right. So the good news is that although this is a very serious disorder, it's relatively rare. Um, We've only seen across the country over the last five years about four to 500 cases. Um, Certainly, if a child comes in with any of these suspicious concerns, we would want to see them early so that we could do these diagnostic tests and hopefully have a a better chance of identifying any potential virus that's that's triggering this type of episode. Um, And then certainly being at a referral center like St. Louis Children's Hospital, we have lots of um, additional care and support that we can provide these very sick kids, not only acutely, but also in, in rehabilitating them and getting them back to their normal life. Thank you so much, Dr. Gurnett, for joining us today and for sharing for other providers what's going on with this disease because it has been mysterious and the CDC has printed material about it. Thank you so much for coming on and clearing it up for us. A physician can refer a patient by calling Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 1-800-678-HELP. That's 1-800-678-4357. You're listening to Radio Rounds with St. Louis Children's Hospital. For more information on resources available at St. Louis Children's Hospital, you can go to stlouischildrens.org. That's stlouischildrens.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.